Today my message is entitled, What Must You Give Up to Follow Jesus? And I think that's a common question that people have. They, they wonder, you know, what must I do to go to heaven? Some people wonder, what must I stop doing to be a Christian? And so on and so forth. It's stated in different ways. In our scripture passage, we're studying the Gospel of Luke in this series. Somebody's going to ask Jesus the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is going to answer that question. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But what is behind all these questions, including the question of the rich young ruler that asked that question of Jesus? I believe that's what, what is behind the question is, what is the least I must do? What is the least change I must make in my life? What is the least I must give up in order to go to heaven? I've never talked to anybody who didn't want to go to heaven. Right? Everybody wants to go to heaven because the alternative is, is not a good place, right? So everybody wants to go to heaven. And so today we're going to ask and answer this question relating to following Jesus. What must you give up to follow Jesus in Jesus' own words? Now, of course, those who follow Jesus are God's children and they will go to heaven. And those who don't follow Jesus um, will be going to the other place. So we do want to follow Jesus. So let's begin to look at, before we get to our main passage, some of the things that Jesus said about following him. Now you can follow along in the, there's a white page in the middle of your bulletin. If you got one of those as you came in, and it's uh, a white page like this, you can follow along in the outline. And if anybody didn't notice the bulletins when they came in, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Anybody? Everybody got one? Good. All right. Luke 9.23, he, that's Jesus, said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so Jesus is saying to us, if you want to follow me, there are two things that you need to do. First of all, you need to deny yourself. What does that mean? Well, the New Living Translation says you need to give up your own way. I kind of like that because it makes it clear. What do we need to give up? We need to give up doing things our way. Each person starts life. Those of you that are parents, uh, you know this. Each baby starts life wanting things their way. Uh, they, they need things and they want it. And if they don't get it, they let you know. And that's how we grow in our lives, wanting to do things our own way, wanting to have our own plans for life, having our own desires. To deny yourself is to give up all those things and follow Jesus, not yourself. Follow what he calls you to do. Secondly, Jesus talks about taking up your cross daily. What's that all about? You know, in today's culture, we, as a basic a Christian culture here in America, and, and the cross is a religious symbol. It was not a religious symbol back in Jesus' time. It was the instrument of capital punishment. It would kind of be like, well, they do it a lot of ways today, but it might be like an electric chair today. Uh, it was a, a not something that was revered. It was something rather shameful because... 
the people that were crucified were really bad criminals. They deserved the death penalty. And so Jesus is talking about taking up your cross daily. What, what does that mean? Well, it's just another way of saying that to take up your cross is to die to yourself. To put your way of living to death on that cross daily. Each and every day seeking to follow God's will in your life rather than your own. In the next verse, Jesus says, verse 24, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. To save your life is to not do what Jesus tells you to do. Say, no, I'm going to do things my way. I'm not going to do things your way because I think I know what's best for myself. That's trying to save your life. To save your life is not to deny yourself. It's not to take up your cross. To save your life is to continue living, following simply what you want to do, not what God asks you to do. But if you lose your life for Jesus' sake, then it's, he says you will actually save your life. To lose your life is to do the things God tells you to do. And say, no, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Now, this saying of Jesus seems a bit confusing, right? I mean, when you think about it, how can I, I try to save my life, I'm going to lose it. If I lose my life, I'm going to, it, it kind of, it's a little confusing. But Jesus is really talking about two kinds of life here, which hopefully will make a little more sense. If we seek to save our lives on this planet, and we're all alive, right? To be alive is to be breathing, your heart is beating, everybody here is alive. To try to save that life, your physical life here on this planet, Jesus says you're going to lose your life. What, what life is he talking about? He's talking about losing eternal life. You seek to save your life and live the way you want to live, you're going to lose eternal life. You see, there is a life after this life. There's an afterlife. Eternal life is life with Jesus forever in heaven. But if you choose to lose your way of life, then you're going to gain that eternal life, which actually begins now. It begins in this life, and it continues forever. We may physically die. We all will unless Jesus returns first. But we're going to live on forever with him. Let's think a little bit more about losing our lives. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So this is a common illustration of, what, of who Jesus is. Jesus is the good shepherd. And those who are believers in him, those who are his followers, he refers to as his sheep. So if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you're a sheep. And uh, that's, that's a good thing in the Bible, okay? It's a, it's a good thing. And Jesus tells us what happens as he leads his flock of sheep. Jesus, it says, speaks to his sheep. He knows his sheep. In fact, he calls them by name, and he calls each sheep to follow him. And as they follow him, their lives, or their sheep lives, I guess I would say, are the best they can be. 
Because the shepherd knows where there are cool, sparkling streams of water to drink from. The shepherd knows where there are green, lush pastures to feed in. And he will lead his sheep to those things for their lives. Sheep who are following the shepherd don't wander away. They don't wander away and get eaten by wolves. They don't wander away and get stolen by thieves. They don't wander away and fall off cliffs. The shepherd protects them. Those who don't follow the shepherd inevitably come to a tragic end. Just as sheep who wander away from the flock. And so Jesus wants us to replace our human life in one sense. Doing what we want to do with a spiritual eternal life as we follow him. A life that's going to last forever. So let's get back to our question and to our passage in Luke chapter 18. What must we give up to follow Jesus? The story begins in verse 15. Now they, people, were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Well, people were bringing their babies to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to lay his hands on them to, to bless the children. I believe to pray for them. And the disciples, here's another example where the disciples thought they knew better than Jesus. It's kind of comical, really. Uh, but here they go, no, no, don't bring your babies to Jesus. You know, he's got more important things to do. You know, he's talking to adults. You know, we need to listen to him. He's got some important things to say. And, and just take the babies away. They're a distraction. They were probably, maybe they were fussing, maybe crying a bit. Disciples were trying to protect Jesus. Kind of a foolish concept, isn't it? Jesus doesn't need any protection from us. But Jesus called them to him, called the parents with the infant, saying, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So Jesus rebuked his disciples, his know-it-all disciples. He said, no, don't do that. I want the children to come to me. I want to bless them. Don't turn the children away. And then Jesus made an important statement. He said that the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. What is the kingdom of God? We've been talking about the kingdom of God a lot as we've gone through the Gospel of Luke because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot. The kingdom of God is not necessarily... Some, a lot of people think the kingdom of God is something way off in the future. Well, it is eternal kingdom, so it's always existed, it exists today, and it is going to exist forever in the future. But the kingdom of God is the realm in which God reigns, the realm in which God's will is done. So wherever God's will is being done, the kingdom is in that place, in that person, if you will. Jesus goes on to say in verse 17, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So one of the ways we can think about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is a gift that God offers to every person on the planet. And yet the kingdom of God 
must be received. If you offer somebody a Christmas gift and they don't take it, they don't reap the benefits from that gift. If they don't take the gift and unwrap it, they don't reap the benefits. They say, now, you know, I don't really need that. Then your offer of a gift was not accepted. So Jesus offers this gift of the kingdom of God to every person. But this kingdom must be received in order to benefit from it. In order to actually enter into it and become citizens of the kingdom of God. Only those who enter the kingdom have his benefits. And one of its benefits is eternal life. And so on this earth, on this planet with what, 8 billion people. Each person is either a citizen of the kingdom of God or they are not. Each person is either a follower of Jesus or they are not. Those things all dovetail together. So what does Jesus mean when he says receive the kingdom of God like a child? In fact, you know, it says the children that people were bringing to Jesus in this passage were infants. So I'm going to think of infants uh, as we answer that question. How? How do you receive the kingdom like an infant? Well, what can infants do by themselves? Uh, they can cry, you know. I mean, not, <laughs> they can cry and uh, they put some stuff in the diapers that need to be changed every once in a while, right? Um, but everything has to be done for them. They need somebody to help them. They are completely dependent. I mean, if you leave an infant without any care, what's going to happen? They're going to die, right? Uh, they can't do anything for themselves. They need to be fed. They need to be clothed. They need to be changed. Uh, they need to be taken care of in, in every certain way. And so I believe in the same way, we must become like a child to receive the benefits of the kingdom. We must say, God, really... I want to be totally dependent on you. I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. I want the good gifts that you have for me that are going to enable me to live the life that you have planned for me. And so admitting that we can do nothing on our own of eternal value is an important part, more than an important part, a, a prerequisite for receiving the kingdom of God. We must be totally dependent on God as we choose to receive the kingdom and follow him becoming like a child. Now, oftentimes when we hear what Jesus says, we need to understand why he is saying that. You need to become like a child to enter the kingdom of God. Why is he saying that? Because many people don't do that. Uh, many people think they're in the kingdom, but they've never received it like a child. To not receive what God has for you is like, is like a child trying to exert their own will. You know, if a baby could talk saying, Mom, I, I don't like your milk. I really prefer chocolate milk, okay? Um, kind of silly. Telling their mom, Mom, I don't like the outfit that you dressed me in today. Could you please change it? You know, I, I want a different outfit today and so on. But to follow Jesus simply by faith to accept everything that God has for us. You know, the last song that we sang this morning was about the goodness of God. And when you truly understand that God is good, that everything he has for us is good, 
it's for our benefit, then it becomes easier to accept what God has for us. Not argue with God. God, that's too hard. I can't do that. And I'll say, God, if you're telling me to do something in your word, then you're going to give me the resources to do it. You're going to help me to do it. And I'm going to follow you and do everything you say so that I receive the good gifts that you have for my life. To follow Jesus as our Lord is what this is talking about and not our own way. We must become like a child. Second uh, point this morning, what must you give up to follow Jesus? Give up your possessions. Verse 18, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's that question. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So this Jewish leader asked Jesus, you know, you know what do I really have to do? I, I want eternal life. I want to live with God forever. What must I, I do? Basically, what must I do to ultimately go to heaven? And this ruler asked Jesus this question. Said he called him. Well, didn't ask him. He asked the question, and then he called Jesus a good teacher. Many people call Jesus a good teacher today. It appears that Jesus didn't really like that title very well, because what was behind that title? Jesus reminded this ruler that only God is good. He was indirectly here claiming to be God. He was telling, he knew what was in this ruler's heart. Well, you're a good teacher. You know, you can teach me some things. I said, I'm much more than a good teacher. I may be a good teacher, but that's not who I really am. Only God is good. I, I am the very son of God. You need to listen to what I have to say. Verse 20, Jesus told this ruler, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Now, these are the commandments that have to do with how we treat other people. And the rich run ruler said, and I think personally rather arrogantly, all these I have kept from my youth. I'm a perfect person. I never sin. I never do any of these things. And so Jesus is reminding them that those who want to inherit eternal life need to follow what God says. And God's word has a lot of things telling us how to live. But this is the ruler's second error because no one ever perfectly keeps God's commandments. We could Go into that more, but we're not going to today. So Jesus didn't say, good, you've kept these five. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to inherit eternal life. No, Jesus said, after he heard the ruler say, I, I've kept them all. I'm just a perfect person. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when he, that is the ruler, heard these things, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. 
So Jesus perceived, Jesus knew what was in people's hearts. He perceived what was in this ruler's heart. He knew that this guy was very rich. And he knew that those riches were an idol for him. He knew that this man depended on those riches rather than God. And so Jesus challenged him to give up that idol. To sell everything that he had and give to the poor. And Jesus said, if you will do that, then you will be able to follow me. Well, the rich ruler began to weigh his options. Give up everything I have. All my bank account, everything, my houses, everything I have. Versus. And then I will inherit eternal life. Or keep all my riches. And I won't inherit eternal life. What did he decide? He decided to keep his riches. That's why he was very sad. Because he couldn't do what Jesus asked him to do. He came to the conclusion that his riches, his earthly wealth, was more important to him than following Jesus. More important to him than having eternal life. A foolish decision. Verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 24. Jesus, seeing that he becomes sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus understood the influence that wealth has on a person. He said it's very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that so? Because the rich often base their identity on their wealth. They put their security in their wealth to take care of them. I've got a bank account. I'm never going to be at, uh, you know, not able to eat. I'm never going to not have a roof over my head. I've got plenty of money. They put their security in their wealth rather than God, and so their wealth becomes an idol. So it's very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom. Jesus said it's like a camel. You know, a camel is not a small animal. It's a big animal to go through the eye of a needle. I mean, that's almost the smallest thing you can imagine. That's, it's totally impossible, right? I mean, you couldn't get the tail of a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Well, the people were listening to that, and then they go, those who heard it, verse 26 said, then who can be saved? I mean, if it's that hard to get saved, and we have to give up everything we have, Jesus, I mean, who's going to get to heaven? Who's going to inherit the kingdom of God? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And so Jesus said, even though things may look completely impossible, like a camel going through the eye of a needle, all things are possible with God. In other words, there will be some few rich people who are saved, who are willing to, to not bow down to the idol of their wealth, but put it in God's hands. And so some rich people are saved through God's grace. Those who are willing to give their riches to God for God to use in exchange for entering the kingdom. 
And so Peter, at the end of this verse, says, well, we've left our homes and followed you. You know, we've, we've really made some sacrifices to follow you. And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He said in verse 29, he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and the age to come eternal life. So those who give up things in this life for the kingdom of God are not going to be losers. You're going to be a winner. You'll be rewarded by God, not only in eternity, but in this life. The life that you live as you give up the things that God asks you to give up is going to be a blessed life. It's going to be a life, the best life that you could have on this planet. Not only will you be rewarded in this time, in this life, but you're going to be rewarded in eternity with eternal life. In this verse, Jesus speaks about giving up houses and relationships. Let's just talk about relationships. There are times when Relationships fracture because one of the persons in the relationship is not following Jesus and the other one is. And it, to follow Jesus, you may have a choice to make. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to put this relationship first and give up my relationship with Jesus to maintain the relationship? There may be times when we need to follow Jesus and the relationship will be left behind. We can always pray. And oftentimes relationships are then restored. But when we give things up for Jesus, it's going to be returned. Both in this life and in eternity as he blesses us. So of course, every time I preach this passage, you know, everybody, the thought that comes to everyone's mind, right? This is what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Dan, are you saying I must sell everything I have? Empty my bank accounts, give it to the poor, and be homeless on the street. Is that what you're saying? Is that what Jesus is saying? Say, no, absolutely not. You need to do what God tells you to do. You need to do what the Holy Spirit speaks into your life. Using everything that you have that he's entrusted to you for him and his purposes. In this case, with the rich young ruler, uh, he was to help the poor. And we know from what Jesus said, he wouldn't have ended up destitute on the street. God would have took care of him as he did what God asked him to do. So how do we give our possessions to God? We make them available to be used by God, not just for what we want to do with them. We support God's work in the church, in missions, in offerings as the Bible instructs. And sometimes people say, well, if I give my tithe to the church, then the other 90% I can do with as I please. It's all God's. It's all God's. You have a house to maintain. You have a vehicle to maintain. You meet children to feed, the things you have to do. 
God wants you to do that. God wants you to be responsible with what he's given to you. But you do it as you consult with God. Say, God, what do you want me to do with the resources you've given me? God, I have a decision. Am I going to buy this or not? God, what do you want me to do? Everything you do what God tells you to do. To follow Jesus, we must give up what we want to do with the things he's blessed us with and simply follow what he tells us to do. The last principle we're going to look about, talk about today is giving up your life. These are all related. Verse 31, And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. So Jesus now begins to tell his disciples about what's going to happen to him. We're in chapter 18 of Luke. We're getting closer to the end, the end of the gospel. The end of every gospel is about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus often referred to himself as the Son of Man. This is one of the titles in the Old Testament, Prophecies of the Messiah, uh, the Son of Man was going to come. He was the Messiah that was promised. The Old Testament prophets had hundreds of prophecies, a fascinating study of what the Messiah would do. What would happen to the Messiah? And every single one of these prophecies was fulfilled in the life of Jesus. We read about it in the New Testament. There's people smarter than me who have gone you know, back to all these prophecies and aligned them with what Jesus did. Absolutely supernatural, amazing. Um, some people have tried to calculate the odds of this happening in any one person. It's just astronomical. It's impossible. But Jesus fulfilled every prophecy written about him. Said he'd be delivered over to the Romans. They would treat him with contempt. And then, verse 33, after flogging him, they will kill him. On the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. They did not grasp what was said. Jesus also predicted that he would be killed. Mentioned multiple times in the Old Testament, people didn't want to believe that the Messiah could be killed, so they didn't really pay much attention to it. But it had been predicted multiple times. But, Jesus also prophesied that on the third day he would rise from the dead. Disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying. They, in their minds, the Messiah was going to bring in the kingdom of God and destroy all the enemies of Israel. They couldn't understand it at this point. But what was Jesus teaching his disciples? You know, everything that Jesus did is an example for us. He was saying that he was going to have to lay down his life. For God's plan. And that's what we must do as well. Lay down our lives. For God's plan for us. To give up our very lives. Now does that mean that we all. You know have to put ourselves in a situation. To be martyrs for Jesus physically. It's like no absolutely not. We're not like the Muslims. That put a value we seek. To die for. Jesus. Thankfully, in America today, persecution is not at the point uh, where believers are, uh, their lives are taken for following Jesus. But that's not true in many parts of the world today. In fact, I've read that martyrs, Christian martyrs around the world set an all-time high, especially in 
Muslim countries. We don't read about it in our news. They're not interested in telling us about that. But it is happening each and every day. What does it mean for us to lose our lives? We talked about possessions. That's part of it. In the everyday life that we live, 21st century, to lose our lives for Jesus, to lose our lives for his kingdom, happens in many different ways. It simply means obeying God. It means developing godly habits that he tells us to develop, that we might grow in him, grow closer to him, and become more and more like Jesus. They're just simple things. It means coming to church to worship when you don't feel like it. Anybody ever felt like that? (laughs) I mean, joining a small group Bible study when you're kind of afraid what people will think of you, or maybe you're not going to know enough of the Bible as other people. To grow in Jesus. It means talking to a coworker about Jesus when you don't know how they're going to respond. But you take the step because you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell other people about the goodness of God. To lay down your life is to have the faith and courage to follow Jesus and his word each and every day. And so today we've looked at this question, what must we give up to follow Jesus? Follow Jesus, we become like children, totally dependent on our Heavenly Father. To follow Jesus, we must be willing to give up everything that He's given to us because everything we have is from Him. We must be willing to use it for His purposes. And we ask Him, you know, what are we to do? How are we to make decisions? To follow Jesus, we give up our very lives. We don't live our lives for ourselves, for our own goals. We live our lives for His goals and His purposes. And he will show us, you see, he has a plan. He wants to show it to us. If we're willing to follow his plan, he will show his plan to you. And he will help you follow that plan. And when we do that, we're going to find true life indeed. We're going to be blessed in this life. And we're going to be blessed in eternity with eternal life. Following Jesus is what we were created to do. To follow him is to have the very best life you can possibly have on this planet. It doesn't mean you're never going to have trials. It doesn't mean you're never going to have temptations. But God is going to be with you uh, each and every day. He's promised for those who follow him, he would never leave them or forsake them. There's no better way to live your life than to follow Jesus each and every day. Now, to enter the kingdom, to become a follower of Jesus is, in some ways, it's very simple. In other ways, it's very profound. It's not a matter of just saying certain words. We're going to make it simple here for the people in person and the people online. We're going to make it simple. But it's not just a matter of saying the right words. It's a matter of heart. What are you committing to do? The first thing we need to do is to repent. To turn away from our sins, which is following our own way of life. Secondly, believing that Jesus died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. He paid the penalty for our sins. Asking him to forgive us. 
inviting him into our lives and submitting our lives to follow him as our Lord and Savior. So I'd like to ask everyone here to bow your heads. We're going to pray. If you never prayed a prayer like this before or perhaps you would like to recommit your life to Jesus this morning, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this, Father, today, I repent of trying to manage my own life without asking you what you wanted. I repent of the things I've done that I I knew were wrong, but I did them anyway. I believe that Jesus died on the cross without sin, that he might pay the penalty for my sin. Please forgive me. I believe he rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I invite him into my life as my Lord and Savior. I submit my life to following him all my days. And let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. For teaching us what it means to follow you. Forgive us for the things that we've held on to, like you can't have this corner of my life. This room is not something I'm going to give to you. I'm going to hang on to it, this hidden closet. God, may we give every room in our lives to you. That we would do what you want us to do with our possessions, with our time, with our talents, with our abilities, with our relationships, with our jobs, with our children, our grandchildren. May you use us to bring your kingdom to this earth. Help us to become like children. Forgive us for the times we think we know it all. Forgive us for the times when we tell you what we're going to do or not going to do. Like the disciples. God, how foolish that is. Talk to you like that, the creator of the universe. Help us to have the courage to give to you the things you ask of us. Believing in faith that you're going to return Multiple ways to us. You're going to reward us in many different ways as we follow you. God, we want to have the best life that we can have. We pray that you'd help us to become wholehearted followers of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Now we're going to have a a brief prayer for healing this morning. If there's a physical ailment in your life today, Let's just bow our heads and keep our eyes closed as we pray. I'd encourage you to put your hand over that area in your body. If you've got a headache, put your hand on your head. If your shoulder hurts, put your hand on your shoulder, etc. And if you know someone that has a serious or any kind of physical ailment, we're going to put them in your mind as well and we're going to pray for them. We believe God is a healing God. He heals today. He always has. He always will. And if you have another area in your life that needs healing, healing is a very broad term. If you need healing of your finances, a lot of people do today. Let's pray for it. We're going to pray for that as well. If you need healing of your emotions, there's a lot of people that are fighting depression and stress today. We're going to pray for a healing in that area as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that You are our God. You are a healing God. It's one of the good gifts that you give to your children, that you give to those who ask. And so today we pray for your healing power to 
rest upon everyone that's present here today and those watching online to bring healing to physical ailments, God. We pray that you bring healing to those who have cancer in Jesus' name. We ask for complete remission and eradication. God, we pray for those who are suffering with other physical ailments, any that have problems with their eyes, God. We pray that you would bring healing to their eyes in Jesus' name. Any that have problems in their feet, God, we pray that you'd bring healing to their feet. And God, there's no end to issues, God. We just pray for your healing touch for whatever people are reaching you for this morning. We pray for healing in people's finances, God, that as they put you first, you would bring blessing into their finances, that you would meet all of their needs. Give them wisdom in their finances. God, we pray for those who are struggling with depression, anxiety, and even suicidal thoughts, God. In Jesus' name, we pray that you would bring your peace, God, into their hearts. That all the lies of the enemy, they would recognize and, and you would remove them from them. Help them to fill their minds with you and the blessings that you have. We thank you for being with us this morning. We thank you for your word that encourages us, that teaches us, that helps us to understand your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.